Global, sparking innovative thoughts. Welcome to another episode of Texas Global Podcast. You're with me, Poopay, or Chawaratyong Tiranon, the Texas Global Content Editor. Today, we're going to take a look at innovation in the organization. Um, and we have one uh, person with us who's from the Culture Summit that we've just held in Bangkok, and that is Andrew Grant. He is well known for his breakthrough books, uh, The Innovation Race, How to Change a Culture to Change the Game. Who killed creativity? How can we get it back? Uh, worked with many important and uh, big names such as Nestle, uh, Four Seasons Hotels, and Disney. Andrew. Hi, great to be here. Now, Andrew Grant, I just want to say, is the CEO of the Tyrion Innovative Solutions. Is that right? I, I want to ask you the first thing that is on everybody's mind when you say a, a sentence like, who killed creativity? Who are you talking about? Right, well, we've, we've deliberately, provocatively made both our books, Who Killed Creativity and <laughs> The Innovation Race. And people typically say, so who won the innovation race? Yeah. Um, but like a reality TV show. And they also ask who killed creativity, which is exactly the question we want to start being asked. I wish there was a simple answer. Um, if it was that easy, we probably would have worked it out quickly because we know that um, by many research facts that creativity is now seen as the number one thing that CEOs are looking for as an attribute, as we know that AI will start to um, take over and disrupt many jobs and creativity is about all we're going to have left. So we know it's really big, we know it's really important. So who killed creativity, if it was just one thing, we probably would have got rid of it. But in our workshops, and we were running design thinking and creative thinking workshops for 20 years, and we discovered that a lot of people were coming, their boss told them to come, and they were coming to our workshops and they said, well, this is not for me, creativity is not for me, it's not my, not my role. And they would come uncreative, and we were saying, well, why would you do that? So we gathered all the excuses, all the reasons of what they said they weren't, why they weren't creative, because we know from the research that 98% of children are creative, and we know that drops to 2% of adults that are creative. So we started gathering all these excuses, and then we worked with a neuroscientist and a psychologist to find out are they, what's going on in people's brains when they're losing that creativity, what, what happened between childhood and adulthood. And we came down to seven uh, suspects, seven blockers, seven killers, whatever you, whatever you want to call them. And those seven suspects are what the things, and, and we've then worked with the neuroscience to work out why did they block the creative process, what have they done. And it's been really interesting trying to discover why control or fear or pressure or narrow-mindedness or apathy or insulation or pessimism. There you go, I did all seven without Yeah, notes. I wrote them down. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> so it to you. We can go through them all the time. <laughs> hey, look, I'm sure there are more, yeah. but we found that they were the seven big blockers. And typically when we work with a company, we want to do a diagnostic in the form of a fun Cluedo-type game called Who Kill Creativity, which is a safe way to help people explore these ideas. No one's going to go into their office and say, my boss, my boss is a control freak. Well, no one's going to, you know, we, we often, no one says pressure kills my creativity. We love to boast about our pressure. But if you can do this diagnostic and start exploring what kills the creativity, a couple per company will rise to the top. It's different 
to different companies. But we figure these seven have, have got most of them covered. And if we can get rid of those seven, we, it's like we let these criminals wander around in our office. If we could get rid of these seven and kick them out of our brain or our office, the creativity will come back in again. Well, that's easy to say, hard to do. And, and by the way, for those listeners, um, if you're wondering what is the beautiful music, the piano music in the background. We're, we're at the top of the uh, hotel that uh, we're hosting, you know, the Culture Summit. So there you go. There, there's the live ambience for you. Um, what you said is it's, it's kind of sad, isn't it? You know, that, you know, when we start off with our lives, we are so creative. Um, ask a kid to do anything and, and they'll do it, honestly. But now if you ask an adult, they're just going to say, what? and they're going to pause a bit, right? Um, what happens, you know, with our brains? I mean, it seems as if it happened when we were in our teens or something, or when we were in well, our we, 20s, where, you know, we went through that phase of childhood to adulthood, mm. and then, okay, now there are a certain set of expectations for you. So let me just edit it here. I think if we're the only people in the lounge, you might want to ask them to stop playing just for five minutes. Just say we're doing a podcast, could they just, we're the only people here. Well, as I mentioned, 98% um, of children have that creativity. And, and I don't necessarily mean artistic creativity. Let, let's define what that means. I mean, what I'm looking at is the ability to solve problems along the non-linear way. So it's taking something from way over one side and taking another idea from a completely different field and connecting them together to come up with something unique. For some reason, kids are very good at this. So we're not talking about artistic creativity. We're talking about problem-solving creativity. So that wonderful example of the marshmallow challenge where every, every group's given um, some uh, spaghetti sticks and a rubber band and a marshmallow and they've got to build the tallest tower. Kids are by far the best at doing that. Limited resources. Why are they so good? Because they have no fear. They, they test, and, test and fail, test and fail, test and fail. They ask lots and lots of questions. Um, there's no controlling process. They're, they're not apathetic, they're really excited. They're, they're not narrow-minded, they can see things beyond what's there. So you can see that kids don't have yet these creative killers in their lives. And they tend to creep in. Um, school's a great example. My, my daughter used to, like all kids, they love going to school at kindergarten. And they come home every day and say, look, Dad, look, Mum, look what I've learned at school. And you think, are they really going to be saying that by year 12? You know, there will come a time where they'll come home, and it happened to my daughter in year five, about week three, day one, she came home, and instead of saying, I love school, which she had up until year five, which is pretty good, she came home and finally said, I hate school. And there were the three words thinking, okay, there it is. So we went to the teacher that day, and, and, or not that, but we had a teacher-parent interview that night, and we went and asked them, you know, what, uh, what happened? I mean, we weren't quite that blunt. Uh, and, but when we walked into the classroom, the first thing we noticed is her grade four classroom was very colorful. There was no front of the room. There were beanbag chairs. It was a, looked like a beautiful place to be. First thing we noticed in the fifth grade classroom is all the chairs were in rows. They were facing the chalkboard at the front. There was nothing stimulating in the room. And we sort of politely said to the teacher, what happened? And she came back and said, I'm preparing them for high school. And I thought, what a sad comment. You know, I've destroyed their creativity because now I'm preparing them. And unfortunately, what school does is at the moment, it rewards correct answers. It doesn't reward creative answers. It did in kindergarten. And then we get to university and what are we doing? We give it information, we have to spit it back correctly. Yes. 
And, and therefore for six to 12 years, we're no longer rewarded for being creative. We're actually rewarded for being correct. As a matter of fact, if we fail, we get an F on our assignment, not a great idea for being creative. And so the whole system is, is rigged to stop us being creative and make us correct, which may have been good for the last 20 or 30 years. I'd still question that, but it's not gonna help us now because anything a computer can do, we won't need to do. And one thing we won't need to be anymore is correct because that's been automated. It's true, it's true. And it's remarkable that you remember the time, the exact oh, date that just, your daughter oh, came home and said yeah. like, I don't want to. Because, because I was sort of, I hate to say it, but I was sort of waiting for it. I was thinking, oh. you know, when you got kids, I just kept thinking they won't get to year 12. We were very, it was a very nice school. We were very fortunate to, to have a good relationship with them. We actually went in with cameras. It's, it's a little bit old now, but it's a great video to look on YouTube um, called Hands Up. And we asked every class from kindergarten to year 12 who thinks they're creative and who loves being creative. And it is such a beautiful case study because all the kids in kindergarten have got their hands are going, me, 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 100%. And every year we went into a different class, kindergarten, grade one, grade two, grade three, the graph went perfectly down in a 45 degree slope. And by the time we got to year 12, one kid put his hand up. So it was just sad that, and as I said, it couldn't have been a more even slope, but every, every grade we went to, less and less kids said they loved being creative. And so that's why I remembered it. And obviously I, I feel that you know, we, as adults, we now need to bring that creative back. And again, I'm not, meant, not talking about artistic, I'm talking about problem solving, doing things better, doing more with less, doing things faster, quicker, cheaper. Uh, now coming back to the adult, world here talking about workplaces and companies you've been doing this for doing this for quite some time have you seen any significant changes in how culture is in the company and and now i mean it is still changing now but like from the past to present um well i think what's happening now is creativity was a buzzword 10 years ago and then it moved to innovation and then it moved to digital transformation and we we seem to come up with a new word every couple of years because the old word gets destroyed. Um, my concern now is everyone wants that digital transformation. They want to jump into digital, which obviously they need to do. Um, to be digital, we need to be innovative, and to, but to be innovative, we need to be creative. And that's got to go back to the in individuals in the room, the employees, to be able to think creatively, to be able to accept change, to be able to realise now that things are just going to move at a rapid pace and what worked yesterday won't work today. So if that company's not agile, and that, that's the new buzzword that everyone loves talking about, but what it really means is that ability to keep changing, looking for new ideas outside where your competition's looking. It's only going to happen if your employees are nurtured and encouraged to think creatively. So this is back to your culture. Are we creating a culture where people feel they can share creative ideas without the boss saying, well, I'm not, actually, I'm not against the boss saying no, it's the way the boss says us no. Because nine out of 10 creative ideas are stupid anyway, but you're looking for that one breakthrough. And if I come to you as a boss nine times, I'm, and you tell me no, 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 and I keep coming back, one day I might come with a great idea. But if I come to you on day one and you say, that's a really stupid idea, I'm not gonna come back and give you any more ideas. I'll keep them to myself. And you might, I might be sitting on the next iPhone or Bitcoin or something that's, I might be sitting on the next concept of Uber. 
but I'm not going to tell you because you've just killed my creative ideas. I like how you said that in your talk, actually, that it's not about the no, it's about how you say yeah. it. Because Someone's ultimately, got to you're no. going to have to say no. Someone's going to have to say no. Most <laughs> ideas are very expensive and don't work. Yeah. But, but when they say no, and how they say no, in a way that encourages the creativity to keep coming, is the most critical thing. So how would you tell an executive you know, to say no? Well, I think you have to go through a process, and this is what design thinking, or we've got a workshop on creative thinking, it's a four-stage process. And, and, and you know, the first stage of any sort of design thinking is, is getting the question right and exploring and really getting the right question. So you're asking the right question to solve, not just saying we want to increase revenue, but what are we really trying to do? And then the next stage we all know is the ideation phase, where every idea counts. And the danger there is, you, as we all know in brainstorming, golden rule, don't kill any idea. Because one idea, two ideas, three ideas that are stupid might lead to a fourth idea, which is fantastic. But then, and that's, so we've gone from critical thinking up to what we call on the planet, up to blue sky thinking, the creative thinking. And then we come across and try and make that creative thinking work and separate and connect things and pull them back and put them back together again until we get a creative idea. And that's where a lot of companies finish. They say, oh, we've got this great idea. But now we need to bring back in the no people the what if people, the 10th person that challenges that idea and says, will it actually work in the real world? So how many people release things and haven't tested them and challenged them? So that is the time to say no. That is the time to challenge them. But you're letting your team know this is all part of the process. We've given you the chance to come up with the right questions. We've given you the chance to explore an idea. We've given you the chance to solve it and connect it. Now, before we apply it, let's just put it through one last process. And in design thinking, this is the most overlooked one because it's tiring. By the time you've finally gone through those other stages and come up with a great thing, you just want to take it to market. And you know, even Apple have screwed up when they launched their iPhone 10 and their, and their iWatch. But when they brought it out on the product launch, it didn't work because someone didn't test the facial recognition by everyone looking at it or the, the iWatch that didn't work in the surf. And you know, because maybe they didn't test it in the surf, I don't know, but the point is that that's when you say no, before the product actually gets to the market. But if it's in a process, if it's, if it's in a process of a whole workshop or, or event, then we know that that no is coming, but we haven't killed the creative ideas to get to that no yet. But if we just say no right at the beginning, it's a disaster. And one example there is we had a GM of a big company engage us for creative thinking, and he put, us, put three of his teams through creative thinking workshops to come up with new ideas. And he opened the workshop with a great inspirational talk, and I'm being sarcastic there. Mm -hmm. And then he left, and then he said, enjoy your training, I'll come back tomorrow. And I, we all looked at each other and thought, aren't you staying? I mean, this is your executive team. We're yeah. meant to be coming up with creative ideas. You need to be here to listen to the process. Anyway, he left, yeah. which was kind of good because it meant people, More he was nice. a control freak, yeah. uh, which we discovered during <laughs> yeah. the two days. Anyway, he came, we came up with hundreds of great ideas yeah. and thousands of terrible ideas. Yeah. And they were all around the room. He comes back in at four o'clock the next day and each team's meant to present their, their findings. And as soon as he walked in, because he was not part of the process and didn't realise what I just put, you could see his body language went really bad. And so he comes in and he sits in the middle of the room with his arms folded, looking really grumpy, because he's freaked out by all these ideas. Because honestly, 90% of them were terrible. But he, he didn't understand that that's what creativity is. We're only looking for the one good one. And the first team to present was so excited and so enthusiastic and they were, they were you know, really keen about it. And he just sat there and, and sort of politely smiled, but you could tell his body language was really bad. 
And by the time the last team got up, they were all pushing each other, saying, you do it, no, you do it, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so he had literally killed creativity within 45 minutes, and he was the guy that employed us to be creative to his team. Yeah, it's just very sensitive, you know. When you're a creative person, especially you can't, it's human nature to be very close to your creation. Yes. And when you're, and you're said, when you're given the no in, in a wrong way, it can definitely. Well, you heard the statistics, 79% yeah. of the workforce are disengaged. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they probably came, none of us came to work on our first day disengaged. All of us came to work on our first day excited about work. What happened? It's the same thing. What killed creativity? And that is the sad thing. It's that what you're saying is something that everyone knows happens in yes. all the companies. Seventy-nine percent of companies allow it. That means only twenty-one percent of the workforce come to work. I won't use the word engaged. It's overused. Twenty-one percent. Twenty-one out of every hundred people come to work and give their absolute minimal. And if they've got a creative idea, they probably apathy. The, the killer of apathy. They probably think, who cares? or pessimism, even if I did care, no one's going to do anything about it, which is at the end of our cycle. And they're a dangerous time to be on that cycle. So you know, if 20, if 79% if of people come to the workforce like that, that's got to be because they've had too many no's, that they've probably launched some creative ideas at the beginning of their career, got it pushed back in their face, and now gone. And that's why the creative culture, or the creative hygienic culture, the, the creative um, what do you call it, workforce is such a sought after workforce. People are now looking for those creative cultures and those creative, um, the creative class, it's called. Yeah, because it's not about money, it's, it's about personal growth as well. They want to you feel need an environment where you can grow and add value to that's yourself. That's right, all millennials now want, to, want meaning in their work. I've got a young friend who's working for Amazon in Seattle. I mean, that's gotta be, as a marketing guy, not, not working in the warehouse. Uh, and he was just so excited to, you know, I thought, wow, you've cracked Amazon at the age of early 20s, your life's made. I said, how long are you going to stay in Amazon for? You know what his answer was? Till I get bored or till I don't see a purpose beyond just getting paid. So as soon as he stops buying into the vision, as soon as he stops buying into the purpose, he will join that 79% of disengaged people and probably another company that has a purpose and a meaning and offers creativity as part of the process will suck him up. I'm not saying it will because maybe yeah. Amazon will be good at keeping him as well. Yeah. But there's a war for talent. There's a war for talent for, for the creative class. And if you want them, you've got to make the culture. Yeah, and, and it's true. And in essence, it's what you need to do to survive in this world where creativity and growth and talent is it needs to be ongoing. Mm. And if you're in a situation, an environment where you, you can't grow, then obviously people will move. Yeah, um, but as I mentioned to you, I mean, managers, when they did the survey, managers think to keep people happy, give them a higher pay. Yeah. And the millennials said, no, we don't want higher, well, obviously they didn't say we don't want higher pay, but they ranked much, much higher that purpose, meaning, and training. Look after us, develop us, and we'll stay. Allow us to be creative, allow us to feel part of the solution and not just part of the problem. Now, we've talked about um, creativity and innovation many, many times. Actually, as we repeated <coughs> it, what is the biggest misconception, do you think, towards these terms? So I think with creativity, first of all, we, we too, unfortunately, associated with art and hippie stuff mm -hmm. and don't realize that creative thinking is actually about solving difficult problems. Mm -hmm. And 
the other problem with creative thinking is we think it's someone else's role. I'm not a creative person. I'm in banking. I'm in finance. You asked me about successful companies. We've worked with a logistics company this year where we started with the CEO. So unlike the other one, his whole team went through a two-day workshop plus a one-day planning workshop. And then we planned on a whole year program and their top 300 people went through it. And he wanted every one of their top managers to go through this course and so they could all start talking the same language. Is fear killing your creativity? What are the rescuers? Because for every killer, there's a rescuer, but you'll have to get the book for that or we'll come back and do another podcast. So that, that's a mis misunderstood thing. that We think creativity is not for us. I think every person, and, and the funniest thing is the finance team loved it the most. Now, I would have thought, you know, we went through every yeah, department. The I would have thought the finance team, would have come not, to oh, that's not, not us. Especially, yeah. I know. And I did another job with a large pharmaceutical in, in China. Yeah. And again, uh, lots of different people came from the pharmaceutical to what's called, a, you know, an internal public workshop. So there was no one team. It was like a mini MBA. And the first team that asked us for a workshop for their team was the legal department. And, and they said, because we want to partner. So I, I said, what, what problem do you want to solve? And they said, well, we want to be seen not just as pure transactional partners with, our, with the rest of our company. We want to be seen as real partners. So here we are working with the legal team on what we call a wicked problem, a difficult problem, helping them learn to add better value to their, their clients, which was their internal company. So it's not funny that the finance team and the legal team wanted this most and yet you would typically think oh maybe marketing marketing will i was going to say that marketing but yeah. finance and and illegal they don't need to be creative well actually they do now we're not asking finance to be creative like in the gfc where they fiddle the books yeah. but we're asking them how can they add better value to their processes how can the legal team take away and did you get any key takeaways from that experience? yeah well again we facilitate the process and we spend two days with them workshopping it through and we help them set up the question right and then we help them ideate it and brainstorm it, and then we help them solve it and then we help them test and apply it and they were just amazed at how quickly they could do it even with the logistics company we just did a 45 minute after teaching it to them with the CEO team we did a 45 minute quick, let's try your own case study. And within 45 minutes, that solved a problem that had been bothering them for five years. So I suppose that's why the CEO said, right, everyone's doing this now. Because he thought, I've been, I've been, I've watched him in the 45 minute on the workshop. I taught him how to do it. He said, right, it's 4.30, you've only got 45 minutes and we'll just see what we can do. Normally we'd like a day to do this. He said, no, no, let's try it. And at 5.15, he had a problem solved that had been bothering him for years and years and years there's so many things we need to talk about but you have limited time i mean you obviously you can get his book we already talked about his book, oh, there's Andrew, a book there's your podcast there's an audio <laughs> version there's Grant. So many different do you have any last remarks you want to talk or talk about or or to inspire our our listeners today well i think i i would hope anyone listening to this i mean that the beauty of these podcasts is people self-select in so i would imagine that most people have chosen this podcast and got to the end of it because yes. we know most people don't get to the end of a podcast or book so first of all give yourselves a pat on the head if you got to the end of this congratulations. podcast congratulate yourself <laughs> look the, you are obviously clearly interested in the topic so the inspiration is hang in there be an evangelist for creative thinking and innovation my my excitement is to try and win over the the non-converted 
because most of the times I don't get the luxury of people opting into my workshops, their boss sends them. So I, I'm really out there as a salesperson to say, hey guys, you need this for your job. So I'm very excited if you're now listening to this last bit of the podcast because it obviously means you're very keen on creative thinking. And on our website, um, www.whokillcreativity.com, there's lots of videos, TED Talk, downloads, books, audio books, lots and lots of free resources that you can use to, to upskill yourself on being creative. Because I promise you, in 10 years' time, it's, all, it's going to be your greatest attribute. Even if you were creative as a kid and are not now, it's time to get that back. Yes. Hence the book, Who Killed Creativity and How to Get It Back. Okay. We're not just, we don't want to just, today we've talked a lot about the killers, but we don't want to leave people too depressed. You have to be positive, right? Well, I think you've got to, I think you've got to, first of all, acknowledge, you know, yes. the voices in our mind when yes. someone at a meeting says, oh, we did that last year, it didn't work. And, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's apathy talking to you. Yes. So I think, first of all, we need to acknowledge these, these killers or these suspects or these blockers. And once we've acknowledged them, then we can start looking for the positive solutions. Thank you so much, Andrew, for opening our eyes. And I think uh, definitely people are more aware of uh, those issues blocking their creativity. Yes. Anyways, uh, if you want to join our community, do so. You can go to our website, texas.co. Until next time, bye-bye. Sparking innovative thoughts.